Hello, and welcome to the Sisterhood Downloads. I am your host, Jacqueline Byrne. And I'm Juliet Thompson, and we are so excited to have you join us as we explore how women can truly thrive with reflection, connection, and community. I am a clinical psychotherapist. And I'm a psychologist and coach, and we are both mothers of young children, as well as being entrepreneurs. We are thrilled you've joined us here at the Sisterhood Downloads. Hello, and welcome back to the Sisterhood Downloads. We are Jacqueline and Juliet. And today we want to explore the idea of embodiment. It's a trendy word at the moment. You might have heard it come up in various interest areas that you're pursuing. And we wanted to explore what does it actually mean? What does it mean to us individually? How are we using it? What is it helpful for? Jules, what is your take on embodiment? I think this is such an um, interesting topic. Very exciting. We're in the same room today, dear listeners, um, and we're recording. Uh, normally we're, we're distant, but it's exciting that we can be embodied together in the same space. So that that's pretty cool. But what does embodiment mean to me? To be honest, you know, I haven't had a Google and I haven't, we haven't really discussed this before. So I'm just going to be clear that my sense of embodiment might be really different to yours or what Google says, but my sense of embodiment is is essentially um, being aware of one's body and the experience of being in your body at any time. And I think that really sums it up. It's probably a bit too simplistic, but what would you say? It's something I, I was aware of the idea of embodiment probably – over 10 years ago and I thought, I thought it meant something similar to mindfulness or it meant, it meant being calm. People that claim to be embodied seem to be calm. And I think that's where, where I understood it. And simply my understanding of the meaning of it is, is quite simple to be in your body. But I think the, the normal, the normal experience of being in fight or flight for so much of our culture, for our society means that whilst we're not be, we may not be particularly triggered or acutely disembodied at the time. Most of us aren't as in our body as we're naturally meant to be most of the time. So it means we flight more readily into reaction, that we're more puppeted by our entrenched beliefs and assumptions and the, the stories that repeat in our head. That is more what moves us and the lens through by through which we experience life rather than being privy to the data and information in our bodies so that when we look at things like really honoring a gut feeling or a sense of intuition, mm-hmm. we we might be aware of that if it's particularly strong, but if day-to-day most of the day we're not as in our body as we have the potential to be and arguably we're naturally designed to be, then we miss out on a lot of what could be really protective for us and also life-enriching because it's our the instrument through which we are – going to experience a lot of the best stuff in life. I really like that terminology instrument uh, because it is, it's really a vessel, isn't it, to experience life through. And um, I think that we learn pretty early or many of us learn pretty early on in life to disregard or disconnect from our bodies. I was just reflecting on the subtle messages that we tell our children or tell young people around or, I mean, maybe not, hopefully not us individually as much as 
um, the collective, but that idea of um, emotion being acceptable as long as it's functional. So if a child is having a big tantrum about something that an adult feels is silly or shouldn't be painful, then there's can be easily a tendency to say, okay, you know, stop feeling that, stop crying and, and move on. And I think that also connects this idea of emotion and how emotion is so central to embodiment as well. I mean, when you think about young children and the way that we teach them to be disconnected or we we give the message that it's unsafe to be in one's body, does anything come up for you? Yeah, it's very much around the social social norms, say, for um, the idea of boys not crying, for example, or or having nightmares or being scared to be in a room by yourself at nighttime and being told, you're being silly, monsters don't exist, go back to your room, you're fine, really means that we're, we're very early on presented with a choice point of trying to get our feelings understood and validated, which we probably don't have the skills and resources to do, or finding a way to get away from the discomfort, which is to get away from our body, and we begin to learn how to separate from it. And even expressions like um, get over it, swallow it, mm. um, toughen up, these are, if you think about somatically what these are suggesting, mm. it's very hardening language. Um, I know someone told me recently uh, the expression in their family was um, drink a glass of cement, like very steal up is another one I've heard, very hardening, disconnecting bridges, which is usually a parent or a caretaker trying to equip that young person with the strategies they know, which is to have stayed out of their body as a coping strategy. So we pass that down in in subtle and not so subtle Mm -hmm. ways to help seemingly help the child manage the best resources that 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 person might have but then we do you know we we wonder why people find themselves in situations later on where they can't say no to something that's not acceptable to them or they can't hold a boundary or they can't find their voice and after a lifetime or or decades from these earlier experiences and then consistently that being reinforced Mm. to get over yourself not basically not be with yourself, not be in your body, then we we can't just flip that when yeah. we when we need to. Could be a completely random tangent, but uh, I was at a concert this morning for little people and uh, which is a whole new experience to me. But I noticed that there was a direction for the little people to wear makeup if parents felt comfortable. And when I was at the performance today, I'd say, of the little girls had makeup on and maybe 5% of the boys did. And so I thought that's interesting. I don't know that five or 10 years ago, 5% of the boys would have had makeup on, but, um, and we're talking not a specialist concert. It's not like a dance academy that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a, um, you know, a school concert. So what does that, like just seeing that difference on the stage and what does that say about, presenting our body and a subtle message around and this could be a bit tangent tangential around body standards and acceptance but I do also think it's linked to this idea of you can be in your body you can present your body for a female when you are made up and a boy can present their body as is and I wonder if that is also a subtle message about embodiment at a young age yeah. and being in your body like it's a condition for 
a little girl, you can conditionally be in your body if you're acceptable to people. And I suspect there's actually similarly toxic messages for boys. Maybe uh, you can be in your body as long as you are strong or something like that. So I'm not saying it's necessarily worse for little girls, but I wonder if these are subtle messages that contribute to this disconnection from body. I was having a conversation recently about school uniforms as well and how it it would seem that there hasn't been much of a an update to um many uniforms for for some years and they are they are anchored in a time where almost the uniform being it would seem purposely uncomfortable mm. <laughs> as like a rite of passage wow. and things that aren't supportive or or liberating to wear being a necessity from that very young age and going into to high school that implicit in that is also it doesn't really matter if you're uncomfortable wearing these stockings or wearing a pinafore dress or mm. wearing something that doesn't doesn't support your body to move freely right. or these shoes that you don't want to wear, like this is a school uniform, you wear it this way or you must have your hair done to be able to show up, your hair must be tied back, mm. et cetera, that it's – we stifle that expression very early on, don't we? I don't want to hate on boys here, right? Because I love them. But I was just thinking as you were saying about school uniforms, about how bloody uncomfortable bras can be. Yeah. And then thinking about hair and mm-hmm. a topic that I get really ranty about sometimes is this idea of uh, why do I culturally need to spend time putting on makeup, choosing clothes and doing my hair. And I've had it said to me before, well, you don't need to do that. You choose to do that. And I've explained to people, yes, that's right. But the reality is I will be treated differently by my work colleagues, my peers. If I turn up in tracksuit pants with no makeup and my hair, you know, the gray through it all, the reality is I get treated and I could make a stand and advocate for that being crap. I just don't have the resources and time to do that. So it's easier for me to put the makeup on, put the mascara on, wear a frilly top or whatever it is that, you know, is acceptable to wear. And the amount of extra cognitive load it is for me to have to get ready in the morning, I really resent that. And when my two little girls ask me, mommy, what's that? Why are you putting that on your face? I've got to be honest. I cannot bring myself to tell them the truth. And I say, oh, when you get older, your skin changes and my skin gets really dry and I need some cream to help that. And I hate having to say that. But when they're of an age where I can Mm. explain the complexity, I will. Uh, We probably have deviated hugely from our original topic of embodiment, but maybe not so far. I don't know what your experiences are. I think it's so relevant and it is the the curation of acceptability to yeah. to have that membership of acceptability in in our world as women and to be perceived as professional or perceived as appropriate that as you say we could make a stand but can you afford to throw yourself on the pyre of change yes. with everything else you're juggling as a mom and, and business owner and yes all the other things that are required to to be established it's it is it's in these simple acts we're not necessarily disembodying ourselves as such to put on makeup but it's part of that the culture that is making it so clear that there are specifications to be met that's right and exactly as conditions to it and you're you know you're not acceptable when you look x and that doesn't exist for men as much maybe it does to a point 
And I wonder how that impacts embodiment. I mean, I don't think men generally, I'm talking very generally, I'm not talking specifically here, um, but I wonder if men are differently embodied because of that. I mean, they just, we all know that, that, that this culture hasn't given permission mm-hmm. for emotions for them. So that's their burden as well. And I just want a little, I don't want any haters out there telling me that, you know, why can't women wear makeup? Go for it. If that makes you joyful and express yourself like so happy, I'm a big believer and do whatever makes you happy. Right. Um, I'm just talking from that perspective of cultural expectation. Mm. Yeah, because I, I do quite enjoy um, skincare and, and putting on makeup and I find it can feel like self-care and I've had to think deeply about that. Is that so conditioned that I perceive it as pleasurable when it's actually disempowering? Or And I, I think the way I feel about it now, the way that it experiences it now, it, it enhances who, how I want to feel and, and helps me um, amplify how I want to show up, not aesthetically, but in, in the way that I caretake of myself mm. coming into the day, but it's the obligation that mm. I resent and the, the consequence of countering to that, that I would resent. Yes, absolutely. So in sense of embodiment of women day to day, do you notice with your friends, with your clients, you know, what, how are we generally at embodiment? Do you think mm. are we struggling as a society? Are we getting better? I think we're hugely struggling. I think we're hugely struggling. And one of the beautiful things about embodiment, I think, is that it's quite contagious. So one if you can hone that more so for yourself and maybe we can speak in another episode even practically how to do that. Mm-hmm. But if it is something you can develop for yourself, then knowing you're not only supporting your body and your life but those around you by shifting into a different gear in the way that we we go about the world and it's not just mindfulness but it's more to me attunement to yourself and the world around you it's not just slowing down but it's feeling so what's the signs of someone like let's be really clear what does it mean not to be embodied Mm, react reactive okay so someone that is not integrated with different parts of themselves and it comes along with self-awareness or embodiment comes with self-awareness so the counter of that for not being embodied for over intellectualizing life and decision making and over emphasizing that value over other parts of your intelligence body-based intelligence so when you can't feel what's going on in your body, mm. would you say you can't feel that? or override it immediately? Yeah. Override it. Yes. Um, think, well, I might be nervous about that, but it'll be good for me. Or um, right. Yes. So there's maybe two ends of the spectrum. One is completely shut off and disconnected, and quickly override whatever feelings happen in your body, whatever experiences, whatever knowings, I intuition comes up in your body is one end, and I guess the other end is being totally consumed by the feelings in your body and being very reactive with, with without holding that bigger picture sense that can contain it all and, un, mm-hmm. and, and process it. Yeah, because embodiment would be if there is a lot going on, you're also aware of feeling it and experiencing it, not just being it and being in the wash of it. Yes. So it's not necessarily embodiment doesn't necessarily mean you're driven by emotion. In fact, it doesn't mean that, Um, but more that you're in the balance of the 
experience and that's your that's your anchor so it's the meditation part the Mm. calm part that you're talking about before so i guess that is a part of it it's that witness Mm. that we talk about in meditation it's the observer it is that anchored part that can consider curiously and with compassion coupled with using your body as an antenna Mm. to pick up what is going on it's the meeting of those two things maybe that that really we're talking about when we say embodiment that's beautifully said yeah great well it's been a quick one today for you lovely listeners i hope that that's been um thought-provoking for you and we can't wait to connect in another episode thanks so much for listening guys 